Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, and I'm hosting tonight with uh, Sue Timberlake and the uh, indomitable Stacey Cooney. (laughs) (laughs) I try. Yes. Um, Yeah, so, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm... Trying to collect myself and while I'm switching from one set of spectacles to the other. Um, right. So A uh, spectacle? Yes, indeed. <laughs> a spectacle for the radio. <laughs> Just what you need. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, before we get into talking about politics, I would just like to mention a couple of things. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach us at civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. Uh, you can tweet at us. Our Twitter handle is at CivilPoliticsFM. And uh, we have a Facebook community, which is quite simply Facebook.com slash CivilPoliticsRadio. Uh, we love to hear from you. Uh, we do try to keep an eye on these things during the show. So uh, if you have comments, uh, hopefully we can respond to them. Um, we do also have a website, which is civilpoliticsradio.com, and that uh, has links to previous things we've talked, previous episodes, things we've talked about on the show, some supplemental episodes we've done. Um, yeah. And uh, when we make references to things and we, if we, you know, have a web link to throw up for that, we try to do so with the hashtag civil references or occasionally civil corrections. So, uh, yeah. Um, wow. So, uh I don't know. Like in a way, there's there's been a lot of news this week, uh, and, and this, no news. Yeah. <laughs> well, I... I mean, like like some of the some of the news that I've been most gripped by is in a way like stuff. I'm like, I don't know what to say about it on civil politics. Like, wow, it turns out that Trump's lawyer Michael Cohen is really corrupt. Yeah, <laughs> you know? met with the Russians eleven days before Trump was inaugurated. Right. He... Took a half a million dollars. Yeah, just like like and and four hundred thousand from Novartis and one point two million from uh, AT and T and you know uh, yeah. I was listening to Shields and Brooks just before we came on the air. I don't know who they are. They're uh, is it is Pollock's, it Brooks Shields the the, yeah. the famous model? No, not Brooks Shields. Yeah, Brooks and Brooks? Shields. Nope. Okay. They're NPR um, talking heads. One Republican, one Democrat. But they okay. they were basically saying that's Washington. Yeah. That's what Washington does. They collect when somebody gets into office they run around and put their hand out say i'm really good friends with him give me money and if you fall for it i just thought that was an interesting comment instead of what (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it was so it was like k street it's just like that's what that's that's what they do (laughs) um yeah is that something we can fix (laughs) (laughs) i don't know and i don't agree with them that it's just normal but no it's a foreign government i you know it just it doesn't seem normal i mean i understand the uh the the logic of having lobbyists you know like someone who's your you know someone who professionally represents clients who have the soybean growers yeah yeah i mean you know uh, yeah like like it's easy to argue that all of this is you know, corrupt, and it's yeah. just de- deforming uh, um, how the nation conducts its business. But at the same time, um, if there's nobody there speaking up for the interests of soybean growers, uh, and Congress passes a law that basically says, like, well, puts you know, them out of business, right? Um, maybe that is something as a whole, as a nation, that is best to do. Maybe, but I think it's try to- sanctions on China because that's what happened to the soybean growers, right? Yeah. So I think it's reasonable that that they be able to say. You know, this is our problem. I mean, and, 
this is how it's going to affect us. You should know before you pass that law, or just right. change the sanctions, or right. put a tariff on. Or I mean, I mean, in theory, anyways. <laughs> or a union. That, that's how it works. A or union. Unions, exactly. No, speaking from, is it your side? I guess your side. I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely pro union. Well, and and you know, the unions go down there and say, well, look, if you if you take out, if you make us. If you make us use um, binding arbitration, right? What, what good are the labor laws? <laughs> right. Well, which is <clears throat> one of the things that I, I I thought was big news this week was the Supreme Court issued a decision written uh, the majority decision written by Neil Gorsuch, it basically said um, that uh, binding arbitration in employment contracts uh, is binding is binding, <laughs> and people uh, and employees. Uh, cannot uh, seek class action lawsuits in redress for, say, like, you know, wage theft, you know, like, like, uh, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, you're supposed to get uh, paid time, you know, while you do this or whatever. Time and a half on a holiday. Right. Or, yeah, you know, or, or like, like, like you get supposed to be able to, to, to take a half hour break or something like that. And, you know, no, you're not getting that money, you know, unless you're getting paid truly astonishing amounts of money. It's going to be it matters. Yeah, it, it, it's not going to be very much, but it matters to you. But the cost of going to court or going into arbitration can be prohibitive. So, yeah, I saw another piece because I wasn't sure I saw your note, which made me go look for the Supreme Court stuff. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. did find it. But in the meantime, I found this thing that um, President Trump did today or yesterday, which was tell all the federal employees that from now on. Yes. New executive orders. Three yeah, of them, I think. Yeah. And it's really to curtail what federal employees in the union can do, how much time they can work for the union, how right. they get charged for rent, you know, all that right. stuff. It's really tightening up sort of around the um, the federal employees unions very tightly. So. Right. And, I, you know, it'll probably be fought in court. Yeah. So, actually, that reminds me, because one of the... Th I do actually try to keep notes during the show and, and, and write things down and whatnot. I and, see that. And uh, at the end of our... At uh, the end of the show last week, uh, and talking immediately afterwards, I scribbled down pro-free markets versus pro-business. And I'm not sure exactly what the heck I meant by that anymore, because... You know, I'm I'm 48 and my memory's going. <laughs> <laughs> Add 20 years to that. <laughs> I can't. I, I've also lost my ability to do that kind of advanced arithmetic anymore. <laughs> I think we were about to debate um, sort of free market versus uh, yeah. pro business. And, right. Yeah, and you're saying pro individual business. I think that's how we we left it. That certain businesses, if left to their own devices, will stack the Stack the game. I right. mean, that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. So a real free market is level playing field. In theory. It, or in yeah. theory. And, yeah. um, in my world. It doesn't yeah. exist, but in my world. Oh, and now I remember, now that you're saying that. So I, I unfortunately didn't grab the book off my shelf and bring it in. But there was um, a book a few years ago, and it was called... The name I have to look it up, yeah. but anyway, um, the point is, it was a book about a, uh, uh, a, a pair of astronomers in France in the 18th century, uh, you know, post revolution, who were trying to measure the earth. It was something like measuring the world or measuring reality. I, I can't remember the measure of reality, I don't remember. It, it, it won a history of science prize within the past 10 years. Um, anyway, the point is that. Uh, I, I mention all this because in the book it had a long, dig not a digression, but sort of a chapter that sort of set the scene and talked about the importance of 
uh, standards, and it talked about how measurements, the way we measure things, uh, we often think of it as sort of this arbitrary or neutral thing, but it's not. You know, it encodes our values. And it gave us an example like, so, uh, okay, uh, you owe a bushel of wheat to your feudal overlord. Well, is that like you take a bushel basket, and everybody uses about the same size bushel basket, but that can vary from place to place. But also, is it like, so the bushel basket is full, and then you, you know, sweep off the top so it's just level with the top? Or is it sort of a heaping bushel basket? So, like, it's a bit more, you know, like so different... So that's cer- how they keep up with the king's foot, being the actual measurement? Exactly, that kind <laughs> of thing. But if you get a different king, does that mean all the measurements have changed? Possibly. Um, but So the, the point is, like... Uh, uh, the idea that you have a universal standard of measurement, like the meter, the liter, uh, 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 the, the gram, you know, like these, these standards of weight uh, and length and, dis- and, and, and space that cover, that you have somebody who use the, everywhere. The standard of weights and measures that comes and makes sure that all your meters and everything are, are correct. Right. So the idea that, you to know, everybody's going to do that. Well, yeah, absolutely. But the idea that you're going to use the same, like, kilograms for everybody everywhere was like a radical innovation at the time. And it changes the way marketplaces worked as well as it changed how science was done. Well, look at octane. They used to just, that you could make any octane rating you wanted and they finally standardized it. You and, mean in gasoline? In gasoline, yeah. And right. it's because people would cheat. Right. Braking horsepower instead of horsepower. You know, a big car moving really fast has a lot more braking horsepower than taking off horsepower. And they oh, car companies wait. would cheat. I don't understand what that means. So if you said your car had 200 horsepower yeah, and your car does it from s- scratch because you have like a 400, you know. <laughs> I don't have a sports car, but s- anyway, say I have some kind of sports car. Yeah, yeah. and I have a little, a little tiny car, but I put a lot of weight in it, and I use the braking horsepower measurement. It will look like my car has a lot more horsepower well, in the braking mode than the taking off mode. Oh, They would I measure see. it in reverse and say, well, it's, you know, this got 210 horsepower. I get it. Okay. Yeah. So all those standards, standard nomenclature, all that stuff's really important, and we have sort of drifted away from it. I think in a lot of ways. Well, uh, just in the IT industry. Yeah, Stacy. Sorry, I could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, two things. One, the book is called "Measure of the Earth: The Enlightenment Expedition That Reshaped Our World," and it's by Larry uh, Ferriero. Yeah, that sounds like the book. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is, is that. There is something to be said about the fact that we continue to refine measurements. So, for instance, things like the meter, the kilogram, those are now uh, measured by universal constants rather than by an actual kilogram or an actual meter. Oh, they because are depending actually, where you are, the kilograms are, yeah. And it. also, even if Mass you have... Mass versus weight is gravity. Exactly. You yeah. can have yeah. it slightly different gravities depending on where you are on the earth and also which matters when you're doing ultra precise scientific measurements exactly (laughs) um and also just the fact that if you're using an actual bar that bar is going to have some you know wear on it no matter what it's made of and so again when you're trying to do ultra precise things so they're now measured in uh oscillations of atoms and in other things like that yeah they're trying to make them into, trying to base them on some kind of formula, like this many times the the weight of a of a proton or something. Yeah. So, which on the one hand is like you know amazing, and on the other hand uh, is 
you know, like, like in a sense, totally impractical. It's like, okay, well, uh, I can't go out and measure a proton myself, so I'm just going to have to trust you that whatever you say, <laughs> that, that that is, in fact, that this block here corresponds to the proper weight for a kilogram anyways. But And there are actual, uh, you know, there is a kilogram and there yes. is a meter. In France. Somewhere. And they, they, yeah. they, well, they're this, in France. Yeah. That's why we the, use the, the English system. So. Yeah. Well, the, and the meter is, uh, you know, like like it was a, like a metal bar, and I think it was made of platinum, and yes. it's like kept in a climate-controlled vault. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in a – is it in a vacuum or neutral gas so it doesn't react and – I believe so, yes. Yeah. yeah. And all that assures is that you cannot use that to measure. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Which is the problem when laws get too complicated and things get so complicated they're unenforceable. Hmm. Anyway. Well, I think that um, getting back to the original talk, that (laughs) the idea is about uh, the difference between whether you are pro-business or pro-oligarchy. And I think that we have very much gone towards pro-oligarchy where we uh, are interested, not, you know, you and I necessarily, but our government is set up to favor people who have growing strong businesses and then rewarding them more and more and more exactly giving them more and more business and and letting them and letting them do more and more so for instance uh this is something that i am constantly telling people about to their chagrin Mm -hmm. uh since you know they haven't heard about it since they were in sixth grade civics class uh you know i'm constantly talking about the uh, Sherman Antitrust Act and mm. how? <laughs> oh, that <laughs> yes, that that that. I'm a, like that's still on the books. <laughs> Technically, I believe it is, yeah. but yeah. So it hasn't been enforced and, and it's been chipped away. Out there of was it. actually a uh, an article in the I believe in the Intercept recently because I do read it, even though again I do not consider it to be necessarily the the soundest source. Uh, sorry, Glenn Greenwald. But uh, there was someone who had an opinion piece about basically the most important thing that we're not talking about is Sherman antitrust is antitrust and that we are that monopolies are what are going to do us in. And so Teddy Roosevelt again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, minus all of the Teddy Roosevelt stuff, just the, you know, trust stuff, just take the good stuff off the top because (laughs) (laughs) so no to the Panama Canal and the war in the Philippines. Yes, but, <laughs> to, ba- to breaking up monopolies. Yeah. Yes. And the Food and Drug Administration. That's yeah. good. Yes. You can have that. Though, of course, you know, I, I, I'm always it, – it, it is a quintessential story to me. Sorry, I'm the one doing a aside tonight. But the quintessential story to me about America is Upton Sinclair writes uh, The Jungle because he's concerned about workers in the meatpacking industry. And Roosevelt reads it and thinks, ew, and we need to fix the food. We need to fix the food. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. And he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. However, <laughs> it is a very quintessentially American story. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that and that sort of gets back to... And the farm bill didn't pass either this past week. Oh, right. Yeah. Much to Paul Ryan's embarrassment. Yeah. The conservative caucus, they can't control them. Yeah. They the hardline zealots. I think one are... of them's going to end up being the Speaker of the House. Oh, almost. Oh, well, well, certainly if if Ryan gets forced out, um, and if the Democrats don't take the House next year, Good I point. think you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was assuming. I actually assume that the Democrats will. That's probably not a strong assumption, but in the absence of that, and when Ryan leaves of his own term, I it's think funny. the next. Yeah, the next the next person might be a um, Freedom Caucus <laughs> person. Yeah. 
because you know the person that's willing to destroy something is the one that ends up owning it yep it's just so funny because of course sue the republican thinks that the democrats will take back the house i do and yeah. me the lefty <laughs> is absolutely convinced with 100 percent certainty that they will not hold yeah well, you know, things happen. They do, especially over the summer when, you know, they're holding on to immigration for some reason. That's what they were yeah. doing to kill the farm bill. They want to do something on immigration. So, I mean, bipartisan Dodd-Frank destruction. I yeah. mean, yep. the that Democrats are... Too. See all the news that we tro- chose not to look at? <laughs> the, the, dem- the Democrats are, are extremely good at snatching victory. Uh, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. victory. <clears throat> and undoing... Um, Accomplishments. Well, and I understand part of the reason why uh, so many Democrats voted to uh, weaken Dodd-Frank was Barney Frank was there saying, no, it's fine. It's fine. You can do that. Oh, I heard that. I heard him say, what did he say? It w- he wouldn't vote. He wouldn't choose it, but it, hold- it kept some things in place that were important or something like that. It was a very, you know, sort of faint praise kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. But guess who's paying his meal ticket these days? Oh, I bet. He's a lobbyist, right? Yeah. He's a lobbyist. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Barney. Yeah. Good on you, man. Yeah. You know, on local politics, we should probably stay on national, but um, there's mm. only one person running on the Democratic side for governor. Uh, the, but there are some write-in candidates who and are. And one of the write-in candidates. You mean, you mean, you mean for the primary? Or? Yeah, for the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. Um, the I forget, Klein is her last name on the ballot. Yep. And she was um, insulted by one of the other candidates. Did you hear this? I did. She did I, get I an read apology the from. Yeah, she got an apology. I, I read from the article in the Gazette. But I like it that she went first. She put it up and didn't say his name, and then she said, "You know what? I need to say who this was." Yeah. And I think it's probably taken him out of the race, and I forget his name. I don't know that it's taken him out of the race. I don't remember his name either, but he seemed genuinely contrite, and she seemed genuinely, uh, you know, willing to take that contriteness. I think that it did was. Did you hear what he said? I did not hear exactly what he said. <laughs> Is it something you can say on radio? Oh yeah, yeah, easily. He said, "I, I, I don't." I don't know you at all. I don't know any of your policies, but you are stunning. You are beautiful. Something like that, along those lines. And it's sort of like, what was he doing? Yeah. Yeah. What was he doing? Yeah. I, yeah. Who would vote for him? I don't think anybody would vote for him. Of course, 10 years (laughs) ago, no one would have thought that was anything wrong with that. Right. But now, now we know that that's a, you know, dominance move and that's a, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, or, yeah. Or just he hadn't thought it through. Well, I, clueless, the, clueless male privilege. It's, I, I'm definitely having a moment of like, oh, ooh, there, but I for the grace of God, go <laughs> on. Like, hey, yeah, you look great. Oh, wait, no, that's really not helpful right now. <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting because it was in the vacuum of they're getting yeah, ready yeah, yeah. for debate. I yeah. mean, there was no other. Yeah, no. It's, it's When you have read up on the person who's on the ballot I enough so. to you know, cert- grill them. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely... It's like he didn't even bother to figure out what her that, policies were. I mean, I think... That's the thing I find just most like, like, uh, really, dude? His really? name, I know what it is. His name is the same as a city councilor here in Northampton, but he's not the same guy. Hmm. Hmm. David Murphy. And it's not our city councilor. It's right. a young, it's a young dude from somewhere else. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he said, I think they said he was only like 35 or something. Yeah. He he's sounded very, young. I heard yeah. his apology. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's funny because I think it's – for me, it, 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 it's you – can, you can give someone a compliment, yep. but when you pair it in the wrong – you know, exactly. it's situational. Context matters. The context matters. So, I, you know, as, a, as the representative of radical feminism uh, in the room, uh, I would say that, you know, you can still give people compliments, but 
context context matters very much. It does. And also paired with the, I don't actually, I didn't actually spend the time to find out anything about you. I'm just going to tell you you're hot. (laughs) That is not. Ma'am, you're a looker. That that is not, no, that is no. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like, and, and also like just... Why are you admitting? Like, I didn't do the homework, but... uh, I don't have to, (laughs) because look at you. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I don't... (laughs) So, yeah. So, I'm... I don't know that uh, I don't know that that makes me say, well, I'm not going to vote for him because it was. I'm a Republican. I couldn't anyway. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, because it's sexist. It's like uh, I don't think I'm, I'm much less inclined to vote for him because it's like, you know, I kind of would want a, uh, someone who's going to be a representative of mine or governor, I guess, to I don't know, be ready for the job, yeah. <laughs> yeah. to like understand, like prepare for things. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So well, look yeah. at the mayor of East Hampton. How prepared she was when she came, came on to, our show. Yeah, and look at what she got on Tuesday. They yeah. passed it, right? Didn't, yeah, I by several right. hundred votes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. East Hampton School. Yes. Yeah. So there's a, there's going to be a new K through eight school in my hometown. Um, there's wailing and gnashing of teeth uh, from people who uh, are concerned about the way it's going to raise their tax bills. Um, Which it will, I think, right? That oh, it a... absolutely will. It, yeah. it is going to raise taxes. Like part of the, the point of the of the vote was to agree to a tax property tax increase to raise the money to pay for this new school. Usually, oh, prop not an override, two and a, two and a half, a, a debt exclusion because yeah. it's capital. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not an override because that's some um, working capital, working ah. um, operational money. No, but so a debt exclusion for the school. Yes. Yeah. Um, because you know the, the town's going to be borrowing some money, and so this will be to pay back the bonds. Uh, um, so now that the vote's over, um, I've, I'm in favor of the new school, um, and I, I supported the, the congratulations the then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so uh, aside from the general sort of I like schools and I like good schools because good schools, you know, produce happy, well-adjusted people who are also good citizens, um, and makes your town very attractive, and makes your town better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of that. Um, the concern a lot of people have, which I think is valid, is is like this is going to be a you know a, a noticeable increase in property taxes. You know, it might be like as much as a thousand dollars for some people. Whoa, that's huge! Right, and hundred bucks a month, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, and so that that can be a big deal. And even if it's half that, you know, five hundred dollars a year for people yeah. who are you know parsing every every dime. That could be a real problem. So I'm I'm very and usually that's older folks on fixed income. Exactly, but it's also younger folks that pick another town to live in. Exactly. Yeah. So there's there are those concerns, and there are people saying how like, well, I guess I've got to move out of East Hampton. Um, and I I think those are all valid considerations. Um, but uh, the way I look at it is, we couldn't not do we couldn't do nothing. We had to replace the schools, or we had to fix them up. Something had to be done. We couldn't ignore it because of legal obligations for the town, you know, to provide it quality education and so forth. So since we had to do something, this something was going to be the best way to, to leverage the money we were going to have to spend. Um, and also, um, one of the reasons why uh, the middle school is kind of falling apart and the, the various elementary schools needed to be replaced is because this had been put off for a long time. See, so, and that's why I don't like the state. Right. Well... So I just want to say, so like that really one of the reasons why that they're upset about property taxes going up so much is because they kind of should have gone up earlier, 
you know, by a more modest amount to help raise the money to, to keep the schools up and make these changes so we wouldn't have to be this big project now. But, you know, um, so we're going from one of the lowest property taxes in uh, Hampshire County to one of the higher ones. And, you know, it's just, you know, we can't put it off any longer so the, the bill has come due. So, yeah, so what do you, why don't you like the state of well, Massachusetts? Well, I was going to save it till after the break because I thought we were getting the— Oh, are we taking a break? I can't— I can't see the clock anymore. <laughs> oh, I put switched. on the wrong spectacles. <laughs> oh, you've put on quite a spectacle. Thank yes, you. indeed. <laughs> Our viewers should see it. Wait, no, we don't have viewers. Crap. Anyway, so are we taking a break? All right, so we're going to take a short break here on Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. We're going to play some station IDs, PSAs, and promotions. Uh, but don't go away. We'll be right back. I'm a cardiologist. I save lives. My name's Anthony. I'm an EMT. I save lives. You don't have to be a professional to save a life. Firefighters, doctors, and others save lives. You can, too. Don't wait. To learn more about the warning signs and how you can help prevent suicide, visit save.org. In a crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Has anyone ever asked you, don't you have enough records? Adventure Rocket Ship is new and old. Indie pop, psych pop, post-punk, shoegaze, lots of chiming, jangly guitars and catchy melodies from both artists you know and obscure 7-inch singles from around the world. Adventure Rocket Ship, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 p.m. on Valley Free Radio. I'm Rachel Maddow with the Pioneer Valley Planning Commission and the Franklin Regional Council of Governments for Valley Free Radio. Reminding you that legally, bicycles are vehicles and bicyclists have the same rights and responsibilities and should observe the same rules as motorists. For more information on bicycle rights and safety, go to www.massbike.org. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andy Musique. Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. Sure, humans can be a little weird at times, but take it from me, I'm a dog. And a person is about the best thing that can happen to a shelter pet. So if you want to learn how you can be that person, get down to your local pet shelter or visit the shelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. It's important to make sure your family has a plan in case of an emergency. We talked to this family to see if each of them knew where to meet if they were not together when something happened. If a natural disaster happened and we were outside the home, we would all meet at the park. That's our meeting point. I meet with our neighbor's house because she is my mom's good friend. We all have a meeting spot, which is a bus stop. Is your plan any better? To learn more about making an emergency plan for your family, go to www.mass.gov slash MEMA. Brought to you by the Ready Massachusetts U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. Nerd Night NoHo is proud to support Valley Free Radio, where a monthly speaker series featuring experts from the community talking about art, culture, and science. You can find us at noho.nerdnight.com.
Sundays at 10 a.m., WXOJ's radio show, Occupy the Airwaves, has the latest news from the occupation movement, locally, regionally, nationally, and around the planet. Tune in at 103.3 FM or webcasting at www.valleyfreeradio.org. Blogging at occupytheairwaves.wordpress.com. Listeners can call into the show at 413-585-1033. A world of opportunity is sitting here in the Pioneer Valley right in Hoyoke. Bringing together a variety of organizations, Passport Hoyoke helps you discover Hoyoke's varied treasures. With numerous events happening nearly every day, there's no reason to ever be bored. For a full list of events and member organizations, visit Passport Hoyoke on the web at www.passporthoyoke.org. Come discover the city of Hoyoke. Press start to continue. Video game remixes, nerdcore, hip-hop, and chiptunes from across the internet. Tune in every Monday night from 9 to 11 on Valley Fruit Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM. And check out Facebook.com slash Start to Continue for links to show notes, random game news, and podcasts of previous episodes. Press Start to Continue. All a nerd needs to know. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. And, Sue, you actually had a notice that we should add, uh, like a helpful PSA. Yeah, it's a PSA. It's um, uh, Saturday, May 26th. This is 2018. Tomorrow, in other words. Yes, from 1 to 4 at the Rebecca M. Johnson School, 55 Catherine Street in Springfield. And it's a single-payer health care conversation with a bunch of different folks, Justice, Western Mass, Medicare for All, Springfield, League of Women Voters, in a community conversation about single-payer. And there'll be all sorts of senators and folks there to talk about it. So if you're interested, it's one to four, Rebecca M. Johnson School in Springfield. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, can I tell you why I hate the state? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're angry with the state. You don't hate the state. You still live here. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not angry with the state. Besides my guys in charge, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I wanted to make the argument that all the cities and towns go through the same thing with schools. Oh, but that East Hampton did, yeah. They don't repair them. They don't fix the roof. They don't fix the windows. Every time they have a shortfall, they take it out of the repair and maintenance budget. And the state used to help people with renovations. So yeah. people would renovate their schools, which is mm-hmm. a perfectly, just like you renovate your house, right? A 50-year-old house isn't isn't that bad. You, you will need some repairs at some work, no yeah. matter how well it's new built. New furnace yeah. or boiler, new roof, whatever. Yeah. No cities and towns do that work. Very few of them do. They don't have enough money for it. That's what they cannibalize. And the state changed their formula so that they will not help you with renovations. They will only help you with a complete rebuild. And so when you reward for A, you can't hope for B. You yeah. know, the, the cities and towns don't repair their schools. And it's, it's, it's a function of uh, the welfare state as a function of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and what I w- they... I would argue that that, that with that statement vehemently... You would, don't like the welfare state? No, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, the welfare state. It's not, a, it's not a product of the welfare state. That's not the issue. The well, issue I'm calling is... the money that they give out, how the, city, how the state gives out money is a problem. Oh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a flaw in the welfare state and how it, it, how it distributes money. Yeah, how it, and, the, and the school formulas are flawed, too. I mean, most cities and towns Well, and, and as that. Northampton Mayor David Narkowitz, uh, and I think, I don't remember if uh, Nicole LaChapelle, the East Hampton Mayor, we actually mentioned this during if she agreed, but David Narkowitz, I remember when he was on our show, like, 
the was formula is pretty really, messed up. you know, absolutely was like, you know, uh, funding funding schools through local property taxes is a terrible way to do it. And he's mm-hmm. very much in favor of fixing that. Right. So, so, so Stacy, go. That's that's the argument that I would make is that it has nothing to do with the welfare state. The welfare state is about giving a level playing field to people. That is the essential idea of a wealth of the welfare and state. And I'm arguing that cities and towns are the are the welfare people. I'm sorry, I'm, are I'm the recipients? In, yeah, no. that I'm saying cities and towns are also subject to a welfare. Right, and yeah. I think that um, I just want to I just want to be clear about the separation between because you know it's it's important to use words precisely when we're having these sorts of arguments, and so you know there's a difference between the idea of equal. Uh, monies for education. And I think that the argument that we're really having is the idea of where does the funding come from? Why is the funding the way it is? And that's a super serious and important argument because absolutely, as you know, Mike was just saying, and as uh, money. everyone, yeah. uh, you know, is, is pretty clear on who actually cares about public education. Funding it through property taxes is extremely regressive in every way, shape, and form. It's regressive for the people who don't have children in schools. It's regressive for... Though I uh, don't mind paying for schools. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and a lot of cities and towns get... Poor cities and towns get about half their money from the state through the cherry sheet process, right? So there's there's two sources there. There's the local property tax, and then the state allegedly makes up for it in the poor cities and towns and that's the magic formula but that but but, it, but in fact it's still like uh the money per student in holyoke isn't the same as the money per student in andover the town i grew up in yeah you per, andover probably gets no state very little from I the would, cherry sheet i don't know but and I holyoke probably 60 percent of their school yeah. funding is from the state but and i would say that yeah. in andover they probably still get more per student yes. because yeah. they still even when you supplement from the state, have a much deeper base of property tax than somewhere like Holyoke. Yeah, yeah. and part of the and part Fair of enough. and and that feeds into uh, the problem. Uh, that, that, sorry, that's part of how uh, uh, racism works and persists in America. Absolutely, because um, it means that if you live in a in a prosperous town, growing up in Andover as I did, which well, is, Holyoke's half uh, Hispanic, right? And, and Andover uh, doesn't have a is mostly you know pale faced people like me, and you know in and of itself that's obviously you know that's just what it is. People live where they want to live, and that's fine. But um, San Francisco, the Mission's a really nice place to live, actually. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, uh, one of the reasons why uh, uh, a town like Andover uh, it's been around since the 1640s, but it's it's it thrived uh, following the the it, when it could become a, a viable bedroom community for Boston with mass transit and then also the the interstate highways, and so you get this thing where you have like sort of this de facto segregation where like the you know the whites move away to the white suburbs flight. white flight yes the classic thing and leave you know the other people who can't afford to move away you know. Black people, Latinos, what or Latinx, I guess is the better term these days. Um, however, you you know whoever those people are, the 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 disenfranchised um, are stuck with the education they can get in their in, in the schools that aren't as well funded, and, and the so, money moves away, and the money moves away, and it perpetuates because the property values it, it's a kind of capital that gets passed on and stuff like that, and it also means that they get a better education, and it ramifies across the generations. Which if, is great if you're me. Um, I'm fortunate to have benefited from that, but I, it's it's not 
morally right. I mean, I, I, I didn't choose it, but I'm still... I'm going to make your heads explode. I, 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 have, I, I did not wrongly play, but I nevertheless wrongly won. So, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. So charter schools, which you both don't like, um, they take the same amount of money and give it, it goes with the kid, wherever they go. The school choice idea. Well, the charter school. School choice, you, that's just within a town so that there's like the, the or Boston I think Latin. you can even go to like the next town. Sometimes if they participate, yes. Right. But I'm saying that part of what charter schools do is they say, okay, a student is worth, you know, $7,289 a year, and it goes with the kid wherever they go. And mm. that, is, that is an equalizer. Except for the fact that charter schools are not as well regulated, they take the By best. Design. They take the best and leave the rest. Uh, lottery. They're in this state, they're all lottery. While that is technically true, it is technically true. Okay. It is not necessarily what happens because there are plenty of ways to push kids out of charter schools once they have been allowed in, uh, and I have read many stories about how that happens. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I but I think Massachusetts tried to do a good job. They tried to. They tried to. Oh, I I definitely compared think there's to some, some other states. I mean, compared some, to other states, yes, some good intentions and and efforts to to make it fair. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And, and competition always breaks out. I mean, that's sort of the... Yeah. But that's the thing is that education shouldn't be a competition. And that's, I think, where we're fundamentally going to disagree on this uh, on this idea is because I think that what you do is you create schools that are universally across the board the same in the resources and talent that they have in order for every student to get the same exact opportunities. And we should be funding education at a much higher level so that you can have things like Chinese lessons or, you know, actually have art lessons and band and things like that. Um, you know, I think that you – and of course, you know, I'm a pie-in-the-sky liberal, so I know that this is not something that Americans believe in. But it's something that, you know, if we actually wanted to – say that we are a country that believes in equality, that's the sort of thing we would do. Not this sort of piecemeal, uh, you know, breaking up and introducing competition because competition is not something that should be involved in what is the true welfare of the citizenry. I sort of agree with you on the baseline, but I do think competition is good. Spelling bees, geography bees. I think that's all good. So. Sure. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a competition within a different framework. Yeah. The, there should be a baseline education for everyone. Right. Well, I mean, com- and we, what goes into that is another fight. See, right? and I guess part of it is like I, Stacy and I, I know, agree that education is a basic human right. Absolutely. Like, like healthcare should be. Like, Absolutely. Like, if your society can afford it, education should be for all, just like healthcare should be for all. And so, I know you think, and that, clean water should be for all. Uh, we haven't forgotten about you, Flint. Or any of the other towns. Oh, did you see that Scott Pruitt had uh, had reporters and uh, uh, officials from Mix- from Michigan from a from a Michigan uh, congressman who represents Flint thrown out of a forum on contaminated water? No, I missed that. Yeah, but that I, was believe on Wednesday. I, I believe it. I believe it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it Just was wow. it was pretty impressive. Um, 
And, you know, he's been throwing reporters out. He threw uh, CNN and Reuters out of uh, a conference on... Reuters, uh, actually. Reuters, yes. I always do that. No, no, it's... (laughs) Rota Reuters? (laughs) Yeah. It's Dutch, so of course it's weird. (laughs) Um, Out of a... um, I think it was on... I think it was the same forum, because it went over a few days. No, this one was on... uh, Specifically on chemical something, it was some sort of chemical thing. It, it might have also been that chemical one because contaminants in in the water. Maybe yeah. it was, and, yeah. And AP you, as well, yeah. A lot yeah. of people. So we don't want that. Was it fifth fifth estate or whatever? Fourth estate. Fourth, fourth, fourth estate. estate. Yeah. Uh, and maybe a, the a reference, is the fifth. A, a reference <laughs> to a feudal order from France that nobody knows about anymore and doesn't yes. apply. <laughs> and uh, of course, on the other front, uh, my. One of my least favorite people, uh, uh, Mr. Tesla, uh, Elon Musk, recently, just the other day, basically started trash-talking uh, the fourth estate as well. Really? Oh, yeah. Why is he upset with the media? Well, Consumer Reports said that the Tesla wasn't that good, right? Well, I mean... The well, t- they marked it down significantly. Really? Yeah, they said it was... Yeah, they did not give it a high rating. Well, Except and, for it was fun to drive. I think that was the one thing they allowed. And also... You mean the new Model 3? The, yeah, the, the Model the, 3. The supposedly mass market one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave it poor ranking, so maybe that's why he's mad. Oh, yeah. Well, and also I think that he's mad because people have been talking about, uh, you know, things like um, the uh, conditions in his workplaces, for instance. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. There have been, there, there have been uh, workplace abuse. I think some concerns about unsafe practices well, and also cha- about just, you know, racism. Well, and he was changing up the um, production line, right? He was trying to get the production up to where it needed to be, so he was sleeping there. And he, he took things out of the line. He moved it all around. I can imagine that he took a few shortcuts to do that because yeah. he was trying to speed it up. Yeah, and so he basically to dis- meet demand. Yeah, yeah, he dismantled their the way their assembly line was built and changed mm-hmm. it up, and they're getting more production. But usually, yeah. that means something was circumvented. Sorry, so you found it. <laughs> um, so let me just read a couple of quotes from Mr. Musk. Okay, these are tweets uh, a la El Presidente. Uh, Problems in journos are under constant pressure to get max clicks and earn advertising dollars or get fired. Tricky situation as Tesla doesn't advertise, but fossil fuel companies and gas slash diesel car companies are among world's biggest advertisers. Oh, that's an interesting approach. Oh, there I see what he's doing. Going to create a site where the public can rate the core truth of any article and track the credibility score over time of each journalist, editor, and publication. Sounds fine until the punchline. Is who, who, uh, who, uh, who's the wizard of the site? <laughs> thinking of calling it Pravda. Ugh. That's very funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and, and he hasn't had enough sleep, clearly. And, and Lennon's rolling in his grave, which yeah. admittedly isn't a bad thing. But, <laughs> but yes, so uh, there have been some questions about their ability to pay off their debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had several quarterly losses. Uh, there have been delays in production of the Model Three. Yeah, there I was think a, they're about two thirds of what they promised. So. There was a, the deadly crash with the Model X autopilot system. So they've had some troubles, and of course, he's yeah. doing exactly what the president does, which is attack journalism to deflect from real he's important blam- problems. He's, he's blaming the messenger. Um, 
Yeah. Did you see the piece about the Uber car that crashed? They yes, were, I did. That it, apparently it was it, it it was the the human was supposed to be put using the emergency brake, but the human it, wasn't paying attention. So well, and it doesn't alert the human in that mode either. Oh right. Yeah. So it was sort of like, and you know why they turn off the auto braking, so that it won't perform erratically, which means it brakes every time a bird flies in front of it and all that. Oh. So they turn off the auto braking to prevent erratic behavior. I mean, we love technology. We love it. And sometimes we just don't ask the questions that you really want to ask about it. So, And obviously the driver didn't know that he needed to do the braking. Yeah. Or she. I don't know who the driver was. Yeah. No, I, I that's – and just <laughs> the idea – Right up there with Alexa. Well, <laughs> and I mean the whole point – I realize we're sort of getting off politics. So I'll try and bring it back with this. But uh, <laughs> um, I mean, the whole point of uh, an auto-braking thing, like, like that, the idea of having like a – a compute the computer in your car having a subroutine where it's keeping an eye out ahead of you and when it says like oh you're about to run into something and it engages the brakes automatically the idea of that is if something suddenly darts in front of the car it's quicker than you it's are. It, it 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 has you know the the speed of of the machine uh and you know its reaction time is in fractions of a second unlike a human's so that it can apply the brakes fast enough to save lives and that's a great idea at least it's a great idea but uh when you uh have the problem of it engages uh at times that are uh unpredictable or that the human even the human riding in the car might not understand uh it can be disconcerting and it could lead to crashes if somebody's coming behind the the self-driving car and they're too close and so they wind up smashing into it and and also you know uh humans aren't always as attentive behind the wheel uh, as they should be. A... But a car, you know, but a computer is always going to be just as attentive at any given moment as, 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 as any other. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been in a car with somebody that has a foot on the brake and a foot on the gas at the same time and they're just constantly, usually they're in their 60s like me. No. Maybe in their 90s. It's really hard. No, I have Because it does this, which people at home can't see all the time. Even it's jerky. It, it's yeah. jerky. Yeah. yeah, it's really bad. So, you know, you want to you wanna buffer that a little bit. If you buffer too much, you miss the 10 nanoseconds of response time. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. They said erratic. Well, and that, and that circles back to the question is like, okay, so how do we have – how can we have self-driving cars? Shouldn't be on the road yet in my opinion. Well, it's certainly <laughs> – certainly they certainly need to be much better tested and have – and maybe used by an independent party. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's a, there's a lot of concerns, but like, so what are the rules and regulations we should have for self-driving cars? And they when, should be on a rail. Well, when we get to the point that we decide that we are going to allow self-driving cars to be sold to people and be used on the roads, uh, there'll be some period of time, however long it will be, I don't know, uh, uh, where there'll be some people with self-driving cars and. Everybody else will be using cars like we have now. And there will be problems because the self-driving car will, you know, come to a stop abruptly uh, and the person going behind won't realize it and they'll crash in and stuff like that. And you'll have these problems of different standards. Um, how will you have standards to govern what's happening? How many happening feet on? you should be away from the curb or, yeah, all right. that stuff. Right. You're having, yeah. you're having, you know, a mixed environment. And, you know, who's who's liable if my car auto brakes to stop me from hitting, you know, something in the road, you know, which is great when it's a small child and, you know, is, is pointless when it's, oh, it's a drifting paper bag, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, 
but then I, the person behind me rear, rear ends me. Who's at fault? The person who rear ended you in this state at this time. Because, in this state at this time. But, yeah. you know, if it's like, well, the car, uh, you know, Mike's car, self-driving, stopped too quickly. You know, yeah. there'll be a whole new set of lawsuits Clear about that. Clear open road and it stopped without yeah. explanation. Well, and so, again, this sort of gets back to the same kind of thinking behind the question I, I, I started us off with about, you know, the versus of pro-markets versus pro-business. Now, for a company like Tesla or the self-driving accident, Uber, Uber yep. or yeah. um, oh, there's a bunch of them. Google's company, Waymo, we- for Waymo. example. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they want one set of regulations and laws because that will make it easier for them to well, they start the business up. Well, they don't want a yet because they want to see how it works. Well, they want no, a beta but, test on the road. And right. we want them, people should want, I think people should want them to beta test it in their own facility until they get all the bugs out. Well, and and the point is, their their point is like, well, we can't really test until we actually really take it out on the road. And so, you know, what are how are we going to structure uh, our laws to shape the marketplace for this commercial opportunity, which is going to have which you don't want to kill, right? Right, exactly. I mean, like I like I actually would kind of like a self driving car because uh, there are times it'd be great. Like, oh, I've got to drive to Boston. Well, all right. Uh, Good chance for me to, you know, I can read a book while a car takes me to North Station because whatever, you know. Um, but so, so you you know, who is going to decide, who is going to make the decision about how we our, make those our laws? Government. Our, well, our government. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the point of the government. The yeah. government is there to pass the laws and yeah. say, you know, these these are the, the, the rules of the marketplace. These are the boundaries of the marketplace. So. See, I think you you if you're going to have it be so risky at the moment that you have to put all the liability on the self-driving car companies so that they won't move until it actually they're pretty sure it works well. I think that makes sense. Yeah. And if you start to have it so that they're indemnified like the pharmaceutical company? Oh yeah. It's a problem. The minute the risk does not line up with the reward, that's when you start to have problems in my opinion in my world. No, I I I completely agree. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, one of the things uh Going back a few years, you remember the Deepwater Horizon, the disaster at that oil rig in the Gulf well, of Mexico. It was everybody's fault, right? <laughs> well, I would say it's a it's a wonderful example. Uh, uh, um, the, uh, at the basic philosophical core, the point of private enterprise is private risk equals private reward. You know, I put my money into uh, 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 opening and running a local comic book store, and. Uh, the benefits of that are for me and the other uh, investors in the business because we took that risk. And now that, alas, my store is closing, you know, like, uh, that sucks. And uh, whatever money is left over after we've sold off everything and paid our bills and, and closed up the doors, like, I'll get a proportional share of that. And, you know, that reward is mine because we took that risk. You took that risk. Yeah. And and maybe I'll you know wind up with nothing. Maybe the company will wind up you know with more debts than assets. I don't think so. Hope so. But anyway, the point is like the consequences of modern myths going under is well, that's too bad. You know, like there won't that's be as capitalism. Many, right. There won't be as many places to go and like browse the comic book shelves or go to you know join a D and D game on a Wednesday night kind of the thing. Backyard birds. Uh, the owner retired. Right. Right. Know. Lovely store, but you know yeah. you, you can get bird feeders elsewhere. But yes. it's a good store. Yeah, and you can get comic books elsewhere too. Yeah, you can you can get them from Amazon. But or you do publisher. want a marketplace that supports small business. I I agree, but my the point I just want to make is contrast that to Deepwater Horizon, which is 
private, you know, the, the, this private company put this oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico, and the risk wasn't just theirs. As we saw, because of the way that it, you know, damaged the Gulf, it damaged the Gulf of Mexico and hurt Absolutely. millions of people for billions of dollars. But if it hadn't done that, all the profits still go to the B British Petroleum. That is a fundamental misalignment. Mismatch. Yeah, yep. th that's not how how capitalist free markets are supposed to work. Well, and those a lot of those rigs in that Gulf have been leaking for years and. One of the problems they had is when they tried to measure the baseline of oil and shrimp mm -hmm. before and after. I mean, there was not a lot of numbers that came out because there's a lot of contamination in the Gulf. Oh, wow. Really? And did you oh, hear? Yeah. They just um, they just found opioids in the Seattle. Is it oysters? In, in mussels in, <laughs> yeah. in Seattle. Opioids. Yep. Opioids? Yeah. Because enough people are taking opioids that they're washing out into the sewage. Sewage. The treated water that goes so back into the happy, ocean. So they're very happy, calm oysters, right? They're just yes. very calm. But anyway. happy as a clam. <laughs> as um, sorry, Stacy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to derail this conversation, but I just read a quote that is absolutely stunning, and I I want to get it out there. All right. Uh, this is from we were talk we briefly talked about it. Uh, Trump basically uh, trying to strangle the federal uh, unions. unions. Yep. This is a quote from uh, Newt Gingrich, who has been consulting on this. Uh -huh. When you learned that 97% of Justice Department donations went to Hillary Clinton, 99% of State Department donations went to Hillary, there are some reasons to believe a substantial number of people don't want Trump to succeed. Should the elected president of the United States have the ability to control the bureaucracy that actively opposes him? I, That's why they have the Hatch Act to prevent that from happening. Wait, what is that? What is he saying? You can clean house. When you He's, become president, you can clean house in the State Department, all the civil servants, everybody, which is what used to happen. You know, when somebody He's basically won. arguing for the old uh, Tammany Hall Yep. style oh fire of, everybody and hire yeah. your own hire people. your own hire your own cronies basically yeah. well considering uh the uh uh numbers of people who've who've left jobs and the positions that haven't been filled uh, you know like we only just appointed an ambassador to south korea you know this week so yeah um just in time yeah. i just thought that was a pretty chilling quote yeah. Yeah. yeah and that is that is the thought process of cleaning out the deep state of we talked before about flattening mm -hmm. the organization you guys uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think it was probably Stefan that was saying, yeah, that there's a lot of um, people being moved out. And I said, sometimes that's by intention. Well, that's the same mindset. I know we have to end in a couple of minutes, but that's the same mindset that leads people to say, you know, the National Football League has just passed a, a, a has set up a new rule that they're, they're, the, the players are not allowed to protest. Yeah. on field. They, like if they want to protest something, if they want to say kneel during the national anthem, they have to stay in the locker room. Yeah. Otherwise, they have to stand for it. They can't do what Colin Kaepernick was doing and just kneel quietly as a sort of a, a, a silent protest against police brutality. Good thing we have the First and Second Amendment. Doesn't – well, uh, I hope nobody's exercising <laughs> the Second Amendment at a football game. And the First Amendment, in, in theory anyways, doesn't apply because that's nope. about the government restriction on your, on your speech. The NFL is a private organization, yeah. as are yes. all the teams. Yep. So Any business can do that. But at the same time, can they do that? So a private organization can absolutely do that, uh, especially since when most— When you're on duty, when you're on paid yeah, duty, yes. Most, After work, hard to know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's harder, yeah. but, you know, the, the thing, though, is that, honestly, most states have right to work, work to right, 
right, right to, to work, work laws, laws. Yes, blah, true. which are of course an Orwellian name for we can fire you at any time for any reason. Yeah, even if you're in the union. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it was a really interesting decision. I think it was a business decision, not a political one. And um, I think they're going to suffer some consequences from that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I think so. viewership's already down a little bit with NFL. And I think people are starting to have their kids not play football in high school. They're having absolutely. them play soccer and baseball. Well, and that's just because they don't want their kids to have head injuries. And, well, of course, they continue to have a substantial problem with domestic abuse that they are completely ignoring. Yeah. But anyways, we really need <laughs> yeah. to wrap it up for tonight. We do need to wrap it up. So uh, that's all for now for Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. I should mention that coming up next is Subculture, followed by Table of Contents and OK Asia. So a great lineup of music going into the night. Um, we do do a podcast of this show, which you can get on things like Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, we usually upload the episode on Sundays. Um, oh, and just once again... Please do, if you haven't already, register to vote. Uh, in Massachusetts, anyways, you can register online. And the uh, primaries in Massachusetts are coming up on September 4th, and the general election is November 6th. So you have some time, <clears throat> but you have to register by October 17th if you want to vote in the general election. So uh, homework for everybody. We should talk more about that soon. Anyway, that's all for Civil Politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. Thanks for listening. Good night. This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening.